Rush and Welcome back to another episode of Fresh and Buds. I'm your host, Tommy Fresh, and you are all my buds, as always. And I'm joined by a bud today, all the way from the Southern Hemisphere, Mr. John. You know him as Flukenbox. How are you doing, buddy? Fantastic. Yeah, you're doing good. Uh, it's a little early there for you, um, and I appreciate you coming on. And, and uh, you know, these, these time zones are... Um, it's, I, I always get confused, so, uh, but I'm glad that we actually got it together and, and we're doing it. So uh, we got a great show for you all today. Uh, I want to, uh, you know, talk a little bit about Fluke and Box and, and, and Funder and, and all the fun things that John has going on. And then we're going to just talk a little bit about Outsiders because Outsiders has been announced and uh, we got some listener questions as well. But before we do that, I do want to shout out to the Patreon, which you can find in the show notes. Helps keep the lights on, the mic's hot. Uh, some nice bonuses in there for like uh, anybody who joins. Bonus apps, you get uh, you know a little Romping Club membership card, which also gives you access to a Patreon-only channel in the Buds Discord, which the Buds Discord is also something I should shout out. That is... Well, where you can hang out with all the other buds is free to join, obviously. And uh, we have a lot of fun in there. And uh, you can also submit listener questions and stuff like that, which is, you know, where we got the listener questions for today. <clears throat> and I also want to shout out the Bud Rush Bellow, uh, the other podcast that I do with Mr. Viz, Gary, the, the you know, the waifu viscerai pillow guy. You know, we, we have a lot of fun over there. Uh, that one's live. It's on YouTube. So if you're listening to this on YouTube right now, give us a little like, comment, subscribe, all that fun stuff, and then check out the Bud Rush Bellow as well. The VODs are always up on that, and uh, we typically go on at 9.30 Eastern uh, on Wednesdays. So, but without further ado, let's get into the podcast. I'm joined by John here. How are you today, my friend? I'm, I'm great. I love talking about flesh and blood, and two people that, that play flesh and blood so this is my um this is the best part of my day yeah yeah I mean, yeah this is uh you know i think uh you know a lot of ways we're kindred spirits we met each other in jersey you know i, did. I enjoyed talking to you and you know i the one thing i picked up initially right away was you know you weren't afraid to joke around and that's <laughs> what i love and i was like okay i can i can uh, i can vibe with this this guy and uh you know i'm i'm glad we finally got you on the podcast so i want to get to know a little bit about the man behind the box right uh when did flesh and blood come into your life july 2021 i know because it was my birthday and i was planning to fly to a city called cairns which is I'm sort of in the western midpoint of Australia. This is in the far north um, for my birthday. And like a week before, like I had tickets booked and a week before they did a snap lockdown for COVID. Mm -hmm. So I had to get my tickets refunded. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I remember because I used that money to buy. I was, you know, what been watching Rudy talk about flesh and blood and i'm like well i'm stuck at home who who knows how long for the first lockdown was like six months so i'm like um 
looked for a Crucible first edition box, found one for like fifteen hundred US <laughs> retail oh on their website. I didn't like price check, but that's how much money I had from the ticket refund anyway. So I walked over and I bought it and I walked home. And Shiana pack one. I was like, Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. It's a good way to get someone in the game. Make sure oh they hit. God. Yeah, that was that was that. Um, that's yeah. how I started. Pure collecting, uh, speculative investment type stuff. Like I wasn't um, planning to play or make content. Nothing. I just literally Rudy's marketing worked. That's all it was. And okay, so you you buy this first edition Crucible box. You open the Shiana. Awesome. Mm. I bet you're ecstatic. And, oh yeah. Uh, were were you into any other TCGs prior? Obviously, I know Rudy does some TCG content, so you must have at least known about some TCG stuff. So th- there's like a bit of nuance to the story. I watch Rudy because I. How do I explain this? I like listening to people I perceive as smarter than myself. and his life advice and the collecting so i've never made money in collectibles i still don't do it for money um Mm -hmm. it's a hobby but i i find it fascinating that this guy clearly makes a decent income a decent living um with games you know and it's not just cardboard he collects old video games as well he collects comics i believe he collects a whole bunch of stuff it's it's Mm -hmm. he's he's a rich nerd and i like watching him (laughs) I like his humor. I like that he jokes around. You know, I don't take him seriously. That's why I watch him. Also, and um, it's like second monitor type viewing experiences. I can be working, emails, whatever, and you sort of have him droning on in the background. And when he hits something, you sort of look over. So I'm very exposed to magic. Never touched it. But the nuance to the story is the first lockdown, I live within walking distance of my brother and my mum. Like, we're all in the same suburb. Um, my brother and I do jujitsu, so I had playmats. Uh, I had playmats. I had um, jujitsu mats on my lounge room floor. He'd come over and we'd actually train during lockdown. But um, he plays Hearthstone a lot. So I bought us some magic pre decks to try and get into it. Mm-hmm. And. J- I knew a little bit about tapping and stuff, but like we couldn't work it out. We didn't enjoy it. But that was like just before I bought the crew box, like three, four months before the crew box, I'd bought some magic precons to try. But it's a hard, TCGs are hard to learn without the in-person experience, unless it's like Hearthstone where you learn it on your PC. So no, the answer is no. I've never played a TCG before. I'd opened some Pokemon packs with my son and my nephews because it's Pokemon. And I'd open some magic precons, but I've watched hundreds of hours of Rudy's content. <laughs> That's <laughs> uh, so. Now you say that initially it was only collecting, right? But uh, you know anybody that follows you, and and I know that that is not where it ended because you do play, and you're you are a quite skilled player. You know you, you competed in high level events. When did? the playing come into well play my girlfriend at the time um when i'd open boxes we'd be like watching netflix she'd open some stuff with me she she was actually quite into it um she was like can we learn how to play again we're stuck in lockdown not much to do um bought the 
Monarch pre-cons, we definitely knew how to play. Like, we figured out the rules watching the, I, I think, DM Armada's video and the official one and just mm-hmm. working our way through. But it's actually, it wasn't enough info for someone with a zero TCG background. Like, we didn't understand we should probably have D20s and D6s on the board to help. Like, we... Mm-hmm. Because none of the videos tell you to do that. We didn't do it. You know what I mean? It took the shop owner to tell me, oh, here's a life pad. This is how you track your life. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. We're trying to remember it here. Um, But she would push me to play. Like, she wanted to learn how to play. And to be honest, she was much better at it than I am. Or I was at the time. Um, But it's crazy how life is, huh? She like really pressured me to learn how to play. Cause she's like, if you're going to be opening so much, we're going to learn how to play. And we built our own little decks from all the bulk we built. And, you know, she wanted to try it. It was, we had a lot of fun, but then she wasn't willing to like go to armories and stuff when that all happened. So some of my friends in Sydney have met her or did meet her um, at the time. Cause she, tur- she turned up to a couple of events with me. Mm-hmm. She actually came to Jersey with me. She was there um okay yeah 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 i remember you you there with someone and yeah um Um, but yeah that's she she was the reason like she pushed so i learned and then my problem is i learned and then i started getting very good and way surpassed her and she wasn't willing to like come to armories i built her a really good ira deck um with all the legendaries and stuff to try and get her in but she just wasn't um we had very different schedules and that relationships since it ended right after Jersey. So, um, but she's a hundred percent the reason I play, but now the community is the reason I play. If that makes sense. <laughs> well, I, I can understand, you know, kind of having all that bulk around, you know, the itch, at least for me, I know that the itch would eventually get to me. Like even for, for me, right. I open a lot of product as well because well, I need it. And, and mm. you know, I want to build decks and there's like there's like heroes I do not want to play normally, but then I'm like looking at the cards, right? And all of a sudden I'm like, well, maybe I do want to play this hero. So I can, I can understand that itch coming from just like having all the cards there. So so you've learned to play, you got into collecting, and then content creation comes. How did that start for you? That's a funny story. I bought an alpha box on the oceanic trade page which is i'm an admin of now it's like about three thousand members and it's mainly australia new zealand and a whole bunch of um asian countries that we're much closer to than the us also the currency between like australia singapore makes a lot more sense than to the us it's like one for one exchange Mm -hmm. um well, the, the guy bought the alpha. Again, we're talking mid-COVID stuff here, so it's weird. You can't meet people in person. So I'm like, look, man, I'm going to transfer you and I'm going to send an Uber and you're going to give it to the Uber driver and he's going to drop it off. It's like, man, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> he was nervous. I was nervous. But anyway, he's like, hey, can you record it? And I go, I mean, yeah, I could. He's like, look, I've been sitting on this box since launch. Um, by the way, we're talking like, this is at the peak. Like it was over 4,000 us. I paid for the box. Like it was a big moment for him, but he really wanted to know what was in it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep. I got little tripod things set up. Like this is not on YouTube because at the time <laughs> I wasn't planning to do that. And I recorded it and I hit a, an E strike and a tunic 
Oh. And when I showed him the video, he actually blocked me on Facebook. He oh was... my god! <laughs> yeah, because uh, he was like, "Are you really gonna open it?" He's like, "Fuck, I don't know if I want to sell it." Blah blah. You know what I mean? Like he was obviously I didn't pressure him. He took the money, mm-hmm. but yeah. the, the tunic was more than double, I think, what the box was at the time. So, um, I've I've been I've been quite lucky, but my luck was at the very start opening some of this high end product. But now it's just sheer numbers and attrition. Like, yeah, you know, I hit a tunic um, for the Dynasty launch stream. But, you know, we're talking like 30, 40 alpha boxes in. I haven't hit a heart, but I've hit everything else. And you will if you open a lot of boxes. That's yeah. It's funny because there's all the highlight moments of like, oh, man, like fluke, double legendary box, triple legendary case. It's like, yeah, yeah, but do you know how many dud cases I've had in the meantime? You just don't remember those because I opened so quick. <laughs> and that's the content creation started from that video because I was like, you know what? It's silly to spend like thousands of dollars because I'm probably quarter of a million dollars in into how much I've opened. Mm-hmm. That's not counting like I was a quarter of a million dollars in when I was using Kitchen Table TCG's price tracker. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't, you know, it's been probably six months since then. Um, but I, it was to document, like, hey, if I'm going to open a, this amount of stock or this expensive, um, and that was more like Open Boosters stuff. I, I don't think Open Boosters has anything, like, he, he's a quirky character. I like him. But that's not like high production value or anything. It's just the sheer fact that he's opening crazy stuff that most people aren't willing to open. Yeah, and I thought yeah. I'll open. And my first few videos, if you go back and watch, I don't speak. It's just the hand cam. It's like <laughs> it's like pack opening ASMR. Yeah. Then people, you know. The, well, then you I'm get glad feedback. that you decided to start speaking because <laughs> your wonderful voice. Now, so you do these box breaks. You know, it's a it's a big part of your channel. But you you do some other things, but. I don't have a lot of insight into box breaking because I don't really do it, uh, you know, from the behind the scenes aspect. Can you kind of give us uh, like an, an idea of what it's like behind the scenes? Like it, you're you're ordering and, and I guess like these are four people, right? These so boxes. How do I explain this? So I didn't do box breaks for a while because one of my very first interactions with the community and a very positive one was Chris Size at Unsealed. Mm-hmm. So I would, because he took crypto at the time, I was like, oh, this is sick. Like no PayPal fees, nothing. So I was buying. So I bought, there's some cool like um, Unsealed lore stuff people may not know, but I was very anonymous at the time. Only Chris knew who I was. It would just say fluke when I'd buy packs with him. Um, there was one time I bought an entire, like pretty much 23 packs of an Arcane Rising first edition break. But then I could see people in the comments were really salty. They're like, oh man, like one person buying all of them, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, Chris, like just take half of them back. Like, I don't care. Like (laughs) resell, like, do you know what I mean? Like, um, refund me let people like i wasn't doing that i just was excited because i couldn't get that stuff here and chris was much cheaper at the time than i could get stuff here um and i hit an eye (laughs) in that box Uh like it was like karma like i i let people participate but then my packs had the eye in it 
So it felt good because I also paid less for my eye. You know what I mean? Like, um, so, but the reason I didn't do cell box breaks was sort of out of loyalty, which was a bit like silly now that I think of it, but I really didn't want to like compete. Um, cause I liked his product and he, what he does, but the space is big enough to have 10 Chris size now, but he's still like the king of box breaks. Like if you're going to buy boxes, him and Ian do a great job. They're at every big event. Um, again, quirky characters. You hear them yelling. I don't know if you were at worlds. You must've been at worlds. Um, I wasn't, trying to remember if I, you weren't, you weren't, I'm trying yeah. to remember if I ran into you, I'm like, I don't think I ran into Tommy. Um, <laughs> look, but he was there. Like you could hear him boom, like across the yeah. room. Yeah. Um, why I do box breaks is the same thing. People keep asking, same as the original video. Like people, are like, hey man, like I watch your streams, but you're always opening for you. And to be honest, like I've had probably the worst year of my life, especially financially. Like I'm not broke, but it's it's been tough. I yeah. don't want to keep spending tens of thousands of dollars a month on product just for me. Um, which actually, there's been some dips in content because I'm like, I don't want to buy a product right now. It's just, like it's a bad financial decision right now to buy a product so the box breaks people wanted and then also helps me run a five-hour stream where i think the dynasty release was twelve thousand dollars in box breaks oh, alone wow. right that's pretty cool I, yeah man i would have done the stream but i would have had to pay that twelve thousand dollars that's <laughs> but do you understand what i mean like um so it's kind of cool now on release i don't open much of my own products like people excited but some people prefer other people opening their packs. It's a weird thing. Like I like opening my own, but I definitely, it's a cool experience buying a slot with Chris and then seeing your name pop up and go, Hey, Hey babe, like have a look, like we're on. Like when we hit the eye, it was me and my girlfriend glued to a screen and we hit the eye and we're like jumping around, which is like shared experience. It's the flesh and blood thing, right? It's, not yeah. just I wasn't the only person that experienced it in my lounge room. And I might piss some people off with this, but it's how I see box break content because you asked. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a weird thing to sit and open all the packs yourself, like no company, because the excitement is weird when you hit like a fable and it's just <laughs> you in the room. To me, like that's not as good as opening it out the OGS or opening it on camera where there's people are going to experience it with me. That's why I do it. So we can all have fun, except I've noticed I save people money because they live vicariously through me. Like they, they oh, can't yeah. afford to buy dynasty at launch, but they get to watch 15 cases open. They get to see all the crazy hits. They get to see other people's excitement. And there's a, there's a growth element to it where I do believe I sell a lot of product for LSS. Same as Chris, same as, uh, Saint Hung, like people watching that content get very excited and they get caught up in the in the hype and then they yeah. go buy product. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I totally understand in, in something that maybe didn't even occur to me because something that, you know, I do and a lot of the, the people in the Buzz Discord do is on release, like, well, we're all waiting for our product, you know, mm. checking our, our, you know, tracking and like, mm. when the hell is it getting here? And then, you know, hop in the hangout on Discord and then we all start opening and, you know, it is fun to watch, you know, with people or, or to have people see that, that first legendary, that, that black tech whispers, which I haven't opened yet, but you know, stuff like that, which I understand now, uh, speaking of content, that's probably not as expensive as buying a ton of boxes, uh, <laughs> podcasting, <laughs> which, you know, uh, obviously I really enjoy 
And uh, this year, you teamed up with uh, the Tall Timmy for mm. the podcast Funder. Can you kind of give, you know, I, I know a lot of the, the, the buds out there already listen to Funder. But I, for those who don't, give us the elevator pitch for, for that show, which has been a, a smash hit at this point. I So, I got in the game, bought that crew box. The store owner told me that their friend, Paul, told Timmy, has a channel. I subscribed to it, unsubscribed pretty much instantly because of the energy levels. I'm I'm a little bit more serious and reserved, to be honest. Um, if, if, by the way, it felt more like, like kids' content. That's like the way he... You know what I mean? Like... Um, like I see anyway yeah um but i noticed he went to my local stores so um when i got into the game i reached out to him and i said hey i want to build a deck and play can you put me in touch he put me in touch with blood rush gaming which is an hour drive north of where we live paul and i are pretty much neighbors we live very close to each other and that's his favorite store where he'd go up every friday so i ordered a dory deck um and then I planned to go up on the Friday. So we carpool pretty much. We used to every Friday carpool up. Me, Tall Timmy, Matteo, who was in the grading video on my channel, if you've ever seen that, um, the Italian meatball. There's a couple of like um, people that we carpool with and go up. So uh, in that car ride, we just talk. That's yeah. pretty much what we do. <laughs> we got an hour stuck in a car. And it, it generally will flow. It's mostly flesh and blood related, but we'll get into all random kind of stuff. So, uh, and, and those conversations, like sometimes we're in tears laughing in the car. Uh, and we thought, you know what? Like, this is the experience. This is flesh and blood for us is that car ride, the armory, the car ride back, uh, who won, who what people playing. And we just sort of formed it off that as Paul and I are pretty much opposites yes and we know people like the accent we know we're the only podcast that's all in person we still haven't done a video or audio recording like this one not to brag but like we've managed to keep it in the flesh and blood which is kind of cool and again it's like hopefully evergreen content like you know when sloop has a million subscribers people will be able to go back and watch an episode of him talking about growing his channel when he had 3000 subscribers, you know, we got to have the professor on. It's just fun for us. We would sit and talk like that. Same as the box breaks. We would do that for free. We would do yeah. that for our own fun. It's just sharing it. And again, encouraged by people around us to share it. And we've been able to spotlight people. You'd never probably hear about or meet like Justin, the guy that does, um, he helped with the winning cosplay in Sydney. He made her, um, sabers uh he does altars which are absolutely insane foundry altars uh you know we got jackie from canberra on she's like a community builder in our capital city uh people that are local very very local to us that you probably in the u.s you have very little chance of ever meeting like she's not someone that i mean i'm sure she would like to but she hasn't traveled to a main event most of these people may never travel to a major event, you know, but then we've also had Nick Butcher and Hayden Dale, who you see at every major event. Yeah. Uh, but we get to sit them down. They're literally locals. Like we see them in armories. They, they spank us at armories every time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it's yeah. like, 
It's just on my dining room table. That's what we record on. Uh, it's literally the kitchen table, which yeah. is which is awesome because that is what the game is about. And and you guys do really have a great dynamic. You know, as you said, you're opposites, right? You know, you got, you got Paul, who's who's you know Paul. You know, it's like his. You see, you, you can not only feel his presence from from miles away, but you can see him from miles away. He's uh, he's very tall. And and then there's you. You, you know, you are more reserved and, and you're relaxed, and it, it's a the nice kind of uh, back and forth. And and uh, people were really loving it. I, I got to say, and and um, I am one of those people. Now, <clears throat> what does the future of the show hold? And when are you guys flying me down to Australia to be on? <laughs> <laughs> I think next year there is a calling in New Zealand uh, early next year. It might even be the pre-release. Like, we don't know. I was told it's March, and now seeing uh, Outsiders as March, maybe it's the pre-release calling like they did with uh, Uprising. But we're, we'll find out when we find out with everyone else. I don't know for a fact. I'm just now yeah. assuming <laughs> it's a sealed event pre-release. Uh, because you know, they did Sydney, so maybe this one's going to be in New Zealand, which would make sense. It would be awesome. So why I'm saying that is that's likely some guys from the U S and overseas Europe will probably want to come to New Zealand for that. It's a good, good reason to go. Oh yeah. The hometown calling, you know, (laughs) now (laughs) what's next for funder? We're working on a Patreon. We're also talking to a sponsor that will help us get to more events um there's no real plan like we just want to keep it as is so um the next episode is with philip mckay who's like a regular guest now he's like a third wheel um Mm -hmm. uh, this the poetry on this next episode coming up is the best yet it's absolutely insane um we were doubled over laughing like we couldn't contain ourselves um we need to do more just paul and i because i think that's what the show is at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the reason the sponsor is important is if we can get some of our costs covered to travel to three, four, five events a year, then that's all our episodes for the year as well. So going to Europe, actually sitting down, like trying to go a week early, sitting down with um, Alex from uh, Tales of Alex, sitting down with Pablo. So you know what I mean? Sitting down with some faces people know but like in our style and just have a conversation with them same thing when we go to new zealand we want to get james white on uh we want to get some of the team newson uh chris gearing if we can convince him so we just want to travel as much as we can to play the game but also bring the setup with us so we can do the in-person content that's the goal and patreon Patreon is going to be tricky because what I'm trying to do for it takes a lot of work, but I want to offer <laughs> a bit more than just like a tip jar kind of service. But we, we will have a Patreon up soon. I think people do want to support us. And that's re- the reason you'll be supporting Funder Patreon is literally to help us do those in person. Um, and a big one will be Rudy. Uh, I, I do speak with Rudy. I haven't asked, but I think we could get him on Funder, which would be monumental. Because yeah. again, you don't see him in that scenario, in that uh, in that setting, the way we had Professor. You don't usually see him in that setting of like an interview style, but more of a conversation. Just this is how it would be if you're sitting around in your lounge room talking to the Professor. It would have sounded like we had on the podcast. That's the yeah. idea. And I mean, that's that's 
you know, really smart. It's a really smart way to do it, especially, you know, I know that you guys banged out like a ton of episodes in, in San Jose and gosh, I mean, that would be just incredible to continue to do that. Right. So I'm hoping that that is the reality for you guys um, next year. And um, I'm excited for it. Absolutely. Now, John, this is a part of the show I like to call the fresh faves. I'm going to ask you, we're going to talk a little bit more about flesh and blood right now. Uh, because this is the reason we're here. I want to know some of your favorite cards. Are you mm-hmm. ready? I am. First, who is your favorite hero? Is this a trick question? <laughs> I know the answer. <laughs> maybe not everybody does. Or maybe Durantia. you don't even know. Durantia. Any Durantia. reason why? I mean, aside from her being my first, she was also my first because I asked about how different heroes played, and she seemed like how I want to play, which is, yes, there's a high skill cap and you can get very good at playing her, but also even if you're a really bad Dorinthia player, you still make your opponents sweat a little bit. This <laughs> <laughs> is a good a reason as any. Uh, what uh, What is your favorite weapon? I guess it's Definitely probably... <laughs> the Dawnblade. <laughs> there you go. And I, I feel like it's also obvious, not just because of Dorinthia, because it's one of the only weapons in the game with a very, very good on hit. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. the weapon has the on hit. I don't get to play command and conquer and pummel like some degenerates out there, but my weapon <laughs> will get stronger if you don't block it. And I like sure. that. I like that constant pressure of poking. And nowadays that Dawnblade can get to six, eight counters consistently into aggro, He's... which is kind of fun. If you ever have pitched one resource, you pitch a red to swing for 13 it's nice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty disgusting. And what is it? Now, you actually have some, I guess, a couple options here. Which mm. is your favorite equipment? This one's not as, well, I guess maybe. It is actually, obvious. it's Flamescale Furnace. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Why is that? Well, I'm definitely a draw my stand. I just haven't put the reps. At, like, I, I, you know, I've. Played her a lot in Blitz to a lot of success, actually. Um, and we'll see in Skirmish season if I can keep that up. But uh, draw, so draw my being able to use red cards efficiently. And then Emperors come out and people showing you just how broken Furnace can be. Oh, yeah. Uh, so aside from it blocking two, which is obviously very, very good, it, it does carry more value than Tunic in a draconic deck because you can actually get more one than one resource every three turns, like consistently. So it's very good in blitz. Uh, you can also surprise opponents. It's very hard to track furnace. Tunic is very obvious. His heads up furnace. If I'm, if I've got, if I've played a phantasmoclasm in blitz and um, I've pitched one red and one red and one blue, right? Yeah, <laughs> I can just furnace another red and hit you. Or if you pop the phantasmoclasm, I can furnace, pay for my boots, and then command and conquer you right after a phantasmoclasm. Like, like it's very hard. To, like, it. I don't think people are adept at actually tracking furnace and how many resources are floating or coming and if again you look at some of these emperor decks where people are getting like 12 resources in a turn off just reds 
it's hey man the value look it's it's good because also it's very interesting play style it's not like tunic where it's just dumb and predictable we have to remember a trigger it's play red ideally pitch one or two red cards into cards and then the third one is just oh here's a tumultai and you pitched one red for it people like how but you can (laughs) (laughs) like you can you can get there and it's funny on the flip side of it too right uh the, the people playing with the 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 furnace some people just don't know how to do it. Well, that's why out. I like it. That's <laughs> yeah. why I like it. It's it makes you like it's something you have to now build your deck around as well. Like your yeah, we talk about this on the last Funder episode with Sloop. It's like, what does your two card hand look like? What does your three card hand look like? What does a four card hand look like? Genuinely speaking, Dromai or Emperor with four cards and an arsenal is a little bit crazy when Furnace is up. Depending on what you have, like you can belittle Minoism. You can um. Uh, what's that one for three go again that you get a phoenix flame like that one phoenix flame that you go fetch can be worth like four resources you just have to combo it off yeah uh, uh, that's a great answer that is a great answer and finally what is your favorite non-equipment non-hero this is like your your non-attack actions attack attack actions instance Run of the mill cards in your deck. Look, if you ask me when I first started, my first Dorinthia deck, I insisted it had Crazy Brews in it. <laughs> well, yeah, they're and fun. <laughs> unfortunately, it lost me more games than won me. Like, it can definitely on Dorinthia win you the game because of action points is crazy on Dorinthia. Uh, but I, I'd roll one too many times and, and then you just die sometimes because you're using it late. Uh, and that, I don't know, uh, my favorite card. It's a tricky one. I haven't I haven't thought about that. I mean, most of them are Dorinthia cards, right? But mm-hmm. I would say Chromite. It was my spoiler, and it was hard to immediately tell. But that is like, I believe the most powerful invoke. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's so important. It's it's zero cost. Anything that gives you go again is really important. But this gives you action points, which makes you be able to do some wacky stuff like. It's one of the only decks that quite consistently you can play a Tome of Findle out of Arsenal. Uh, it completely avoids fa- Phantasm. Like it's, look, that's my favorite non-attack action for sure. It was my spoiler. I don't know if you watched the spoiler video. I carefully opened an Everfest pack and snuck it in. And I put a <laughs> tunic as well. Sorry, a skull cap. So it looked like just a typical fluke moment you know people still don't understand how i did it. i mean i it seems pretty simple to me i just glued that pack back together (laughs) but uh it was that was i it was like every every week since then i've realized oh wait this card is better than i thought like it's it's very good it's It's also the way you finish off games with with droma is you you want to do like Chromai, Asvalai, Kyloria, like you pitch stack or you remembrance them back. So you block a lot and you that's how people are playing Dromai effectively into Dory anyways. They block a lot and then at the <laughs> end of the game they just summon all the zero cost dragons, which are probably the best zero cost in the game. Like Asvalai, Chromai as a combo. Oh yeah. You don't need any more cards. And people may not be aware of this, but into Wizard matchup, for instance, um Chromai and anything else, you win the game more or less if you have AP because what you're doing, you you'll like um Oasis and stuff the wizard 
But you don't actually need to pitch cards. You just chromite, gain an action point, swing with the other dragon, pass. That's your whole turn. But talk about that's a zero hand turn. Is yeah. six or seven zero hand. You're blocking <laughs> for twelve and swinging back for six every turn. And Kano can't actually get rid of them. That's the funny thing. Like once you have them out, it's just oh, they're yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chroma uh, is my answer. That's a great answer. And you know, I, I've, I've lost to it plenty of times, so I am uh, I am no stranger to Chroma. Uh, now let's talk a little bit about outsiders, John. Which yep. kind of got announced, or it, it did get announced, not even kind of. We're going to the pits. People are very excited. Are you excited? I am not excited yet. <laughs> I, look, I'm very like, oh, there's not going to, there's probably not going to be Warrior Cards in there, right? That's how I think. Although there's probably a chance, right? Um, yeah. I've, I'm trying to remember where and when it was said that there's no adult Kasai coming. I think it's been confirmed that there's no adult versions of heroes that are just young. Like, we won't see an adult Cave Dan. We probably won't see an adult Shiana. Like, I think they yeah. they actually confirmed that recently. Like, they have no intention of, like, breaking the nomenclature that they've created on purpose. <laughs> um, but that's the reason I'm excited. It's actually far away. Like, they, I think they posted it because there's not going to be any news and they want to, like, close the office for Christmas and oh, chill. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but March, end of March, actually, is more wait than I thought. I thought we'd get a set in February. So it's March. And then the next thing I'm excited about is, is ProQuest. Oh, yeah. And then, and then I'll be starting to get pumped also i'm in the content creator program so the second i get that spoiler email is when i start getting if i get one obviously i don't assume i'll go on but so far i've been lucky enough when i get that email saying hey you've been invited do you accept i'll get a bit more excited yeah well that's a bad it's a bad answer i know but it's no, true I'm no, not excited it's, it's, i mean it is so <laughs> far away it, it really is the only thing, you know, because we don't really know a whole lot about it, right? And, and and we probably won't know. I think they said January 10th we'll get, like, like real information. Yes. So, until then, we can only speculate. So, I thought it would be fun to just speculate on what classes we're going to get. Because, well, because that's that's the big question on everybody's minds right now. Because, hmm. you know, we, we don't know what kind of talent it's going to be. We don't know anything like that. But, so, to me... The things that I looked at when I looked at outsiders, what classes could we get? So you kind of have to look at theme for the pits, right? And then yes. also how long we've waited for a new version of a class. So currently, mech, we haven't had a new mech, adult mm. mech, since Ark, right? Since Arcane Rising. Obviously, we've only had Dash outside of Data Doll. Um, and then we haven't had Brute or Warrior since Monarch. Right, we we had Bolton and Leviah in Monarch, but we have not had a new adult of either of those since then. So that would lead me to believe that those are the the most do. Would you agree? So let's let's go back to Uprising because that was the logic used then, and it was pretty accurate, right? We <laughs> didn't have a second wizard, ninja, or illusionist, and we got all three. Yes. But it wouldn't have made sense. It wouldn't have made sense to put a mech in Uprising. Warrior made a lot of sense, but it was a three-hero set. 
Like, yeah. and also we did have a second warrior, but like warrior probably makes sense in most areas. But I think you know, warrior is like a Solana thing, right? Uh, so far, it's like all yeah. light. Even Dorinthia is like hinted at being a light warrior, like even though she doesn't have the talent. I think you're right. Um, Ranger's probably the other one. Mm-hmm. Although we have Lexi, Azalea. Look, I hope... The only reason I hope we get Ranger is so that Ranger gets a full suite of support, not because I think we need a new Ranger. I think Azalea's kind of good now. I say kind of because I also think the problem is not enough people play her at a high level. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's under... Same as Dorinthia. <laughs> I'm not that good at Dorinthia. Just she's very underrepresented. Like, if a lot of the pro players were playing Dorinthia, you'd see some crazy shit. Like, oh, yeah. you would. <laughs> you'd see some very good builds. You'd see some pitch stacking, which I don't do. I just play off the top, mainly. But yes, to answer your question, I think... I Look... There's been a some sort of confirmation that it's a four hero set already because of um pre orders for pre cons was or sleeves was hero one, two, three, four, right? That's something along those lines. Which again, that was done for uprising and people were correct. It was three and we were like, nah nah, there's gotta be a fourth. They're tricking us. I don't know if you remember that, but people kept oh, assuming there's like a fourth hero coming. There wasn't, and the best bit of proof was the distributor <laughs> stock stock numbers. They only had three, <laughs> not four. That was the proof in the end. Um, Brute would be cool because it's an underplayed class anyway. That's yeah. sort of what excites me the most was, although I absolutely detest Fi, it's good to see ninjas in the meta at all. For sure. Right? Because Katsu is still not enough uh ranger is the same but yeah if you had to look at it that way i hope the fourth class is warrior i hope it's like but also assassin would make a lot of sense i'd like to see two sets in a row i'm not against that at all yeah because still assassin probably has the lightest card pool in the game right now so a full (laughs) set with another draft like a draftable assassin that also helps Arachne because she the Arachne is just a, a generic assassin. So anything the new set has, uh, no look, I don't know. Assassin or warrior is the fourth one. It'd be great. But what did you say? You said brute, mech, and and warrior. Warrior is also kind of okay. Your right? warrior the longest. Third. So yeah. what what I what I'm, assassin makes a lot of sense, right? You know, from the pits, and and so does rain or Azalea. I don't know if like maybe you. I think. Maybe Azalea was supposed to be an assassin of some sorts that kind of shot blows. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, Azalea's kind of a no-brainer. It's where she's from. Maybe the, we kind of get the star of the show treatment. We get some ranger support, like you said, that we kind of need. Uh, mech is interesting because we just got a lot of really good mech stuff in Dynasty. And Dash yes. is looking probably the best that she ever, ever has. <laughs> but if it's a talented mech, you know, things kind of get switched up there. And, you know, I, and I agree with you, you know, with these underrepresented heroes like Warrior, Brute, Ranger, you know, uh, for the health of the game, I think you want to service those classes, right? Because yep. y- you get a lot of people and, you know, I, I play all kinds of things, but I am very much a Brute player, right? And, you know, when uh, very much a Leviathan player, right? And in Dynasty, Leviathan didn't really get anything. Maybe Berserk's okay, right? One card's not enough. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because like, other classes that got ten good cards, y- you didn't come up to their level. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like people forget that. Like Warrior got some good cards, but actually looking at the set, we didn't get a lot of support. <laughs> yeah, and I oh, actually sorry, Jubil is crazy good support. That's oh, actually that's the awesome. hit. that's the hit of the set, right? Is Jubil because it's fucking great. But other than that, everything else was like a side grade. But then Mech got like harpoon. Like, what the <laughs> heck is going on? Why is this? Why is this brainless aggro mechanologist forcing me to block now? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I, and and I, uh, last week I had Josh Lau on, who's a very you know yes, prominent I know Josh. Bolton and 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 Dorinthy player, and he made a great point. It's like in Dynasty Warrior got stuff that kind of widened the amount of cards you can play in Warrior, but yeah. it didn't get deeper, right? So no, no, we didn't get yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a great point, and I think a, a new Warrior would be great, you know. And and I'm sure we're at least this year we have to get one. But well, look know. the 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 way if you start looking like digging and um <clears throat> the new dagger, mm-hmm. it, it works okay on Dorinthia. It's a bit annoying, but it's not the power level of Dawnblade. Like the decks, it doesn't feel like it. It lets you beat decks that usually you struggle against, like Dromai. You'll beat it more consistently with Saber Dagger, I believe. But you don't. I don't like playing like a whole deck just to beat one meta deck. Like that's mm-hmm. how Prism felt. And that's how Starvo felt is I had to have a specific plan into the decks that I don't like that. Yeah. What I was, what I do like, which I've, I'm a bit of an advocate for is I want to see archetypes where I have my Dorinthia deck. I can pretty much swap the hero card and have a new deck rather than swap my deck to have a new deck. If that makes sense, like the body of the deck. <clears throat> So it would yeah. be cool that you play you play Reiner and you have a pretty like you have your eighty cards. Swapping Reiner to female Reiner is suddenly an entirely different playstyle, but a very similar deck consistency. But instead of every time you ban it, and uh, every time you discard it, um, uh, something else happens, like a uh, like a buff to your next. Maybe you lose. Maybe they lose life, or you gain a life. Like whatever, whatever. It just becomes. Yeah. Oh, into aggro, I play her because... And now, obviously, you can't sideboard, I understand. But if the whole meta shifts, you can still play Brute. You just have to pick the other Brute. But it's not like Dorinthia and Bolton where the decks are nothing the same. Like, you cannot play... They literally don't share two cards. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's Courage or Bladehold. That's what we share. And Refractions. Like, But armor is irrelevant. Like, armor is actually the point. Armor is fun to switch and change the deck. Like play Tunic Dorinthia instead of Courage. That's fun because I can keep my deck the same pretty much. <laughs> yeah. oh, but you get what I mean. I'd like to see yeah. like a Warrior that or, or a Brute where you don't have to, like again, Leviah and Rhine are very different decks. Like you can't, they yeah. share a little bit of the, but it's not enough to make them similar. And it's just not fun to build because you can build Leviah like Reiner, but it's just not fun to do so. So, you know. And, well, people that and- do that, I always say, why don't you just play Rhino? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. like the the the. It's like, oh, we get husk and we get shadow puppetry. Yeah, but like, if you're gonna do that, just go all in on Leviathan. Just so. quad into him and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, I could I could pretty much surmise that. I mean, myself, I really want to see brute. Obviously, I, mm. a, a new kind of brute. You know, kind of see where they go with brute in as a 
ex- explore that class because it's very yep. much the RNG class, right? And how how much can they change that? I love it. State? Yeah, and how like the design space there is 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 there to explore. And uh, yeah, so I'm hoping for a new brute. What are you hoping for? You know, obviously. So warriors, talk to me. Else? Posted a clickbait video. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. I did. <laughs> I think I think he's wrong, but I do think there's a chance of a new class in the set for sure. Now, first of all, the art is reminds me of um, Everfest art, which had the tri shot art, which everyone was like, "Oh, new ranger with a mechanologist helmet!" Like that's purely a character, uh, a, a card art. Yeah. I think this crazy cool art is a is they're very i think it's obvious in fab when it's a hero card yeah and like when they did the icelander reveal they just put it they're like here's Icelander. like you know what i mean there's no there's no like you know it's a hero i don't think that's a hero in the card but i think this set will allow for something like an alchemist and yeah, yes, that's- I, I agree with Paul where like all these potions and everfest and cash in cash out and gold like you couldn't have done an alchemist with a lot of potions and talismans if you didn't first print gold. Now that it's been printed, it's a good chance we see. Like if you're gonna see alchemists in a set, this might be the set you see like a playable potion slinging. Like also, they just showed us a mechanic where you put all these items in and you construct a mechanoid on them. An alchemist yeah. could be a blue, red, yellow potion turns into something crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Or weapon. Like, so that's the kind of thing. There, there's a lot of cool mechanics that already hint, like the rune blade cards, which no one's going to use yet, but is hinting at something. Is pitch a non attack and an attack and do something. Like that's relevant. That's relevant. It, Alchemist could easily play. It, like the color of the potion does something. You know, uh, what are the other ones? The lantern cards reveal the top. If it's a red, do this. If it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's all this synergistic stuff that. So I, I would assume if we see a new class, it's Alchemist in this set. Even the the that's why I'm going back to the art <laughs> that they put up this pirate mech looking right. That could that yeah. could easily be an Alchemist. Like, why does oh, an Alchemist yeah. have to be in like a lab coat? You know what I mean? That's a proper mm-hmm. Pitts Alchemist right there. A street <laughs> a street chemist. <laughs> yeah, it looks, I mean, it looks like. You know, everybody's making the same joke. It's like this is the Mad Max, the the Flesh and Blood set. It's, you know, <laughs> that's what an Alchemist from Mad Max would look like. So uh, uh, very exciting. I mean, Alchemist, yeah, that'd be cool. And you know, I've, and I know we both want Brute and Warrior. So hopefully, we get what we want, John. Now, I, I would cool- play a Brute in CC. To be, I'm tempted to try Rhino and CC. I just know it's back to Dory stuff. It's just not S tier. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the problem with it. Yeah, you might as well just play the Dromai because you get the. I mean, like that that deck has some legs, so it definitely um, does. Uh, I guess some quick listener questions before we say goodbye, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one comes from Pat Shaw from the Combat Chain. He asks, "How long have you trained Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Seems to be a n- niche of martial arts and TCGs. Uh, do you think there's a correlation? And does one help you be better at the other?" Um, Pat, thanks for the question. Uh, it's a bit of a sad story. I've been training for five years, but in the last two, I've trained nearly none. I have a pretty bad back injury. Like I'm in chronic pain. People don't know that, but I generally, like genuinely have pain every day from my back. I'm working on it. I'm trying to fix mm-hmm. that. It's also a reason why I play fab. I've told this to my local friends. If I 
if my back wasn't crap, I wouldn't play fab. I'd be doing jujitsu five times a week. Like that's the real passion. Not I, I wouldn't now, but yeah. I never <laughs> would have had time. I would never have had time for content creation and stuff because I really loved jujitsu. I was competing. I finally won a gold medal just before I got injured too, which was anyway. Um, <laughs> now uh, the correlation. I don't know if there is one, but does it help? The reason I got into it's funny, right? The reason I got into jujitsu was my brother used to be the fat brother, and he lost like twenty kilos, so forty, fifty pounds doing jujitsu. Yeah, and I was playing Rainbow Six Siege semi-professionally, uh, but you know I was like just turned thirty, and I my reflexes like I know I can do something. <laughs> Like, especially in a clutch situation, it's like you versus three opponents. That's where I shine. I don't panic under stress. So I'm very, very good in a clutch situation. Like, if you're ever in a car accident or something, I'm the type of person you want with you. I literally don't blink. Like, it's, it's just maybe I'm a psychopath, but I don't. My, <laughs> my fight or flight doesn't trigger off, like, much. So... But it wasn't working. Like I, my reflexes were slowing down. So I did some research, and basically, you can't improve your reflexes. Um, aside, like because they sort of whatever natural reflexes you have slow down after you're 18 till you die. That's basically what happens. But there's things that slow down your reflexes more than your natural ability. One of them is like actual health and weight and things like that. So just exercising is how you get your best hand-eye coordination. I believe this also plays into playing fab at a professional level. If you're not fit, you're not playing at your optimal. You might just be crazy good, but if yeah. you start actually training and eating right before Worlds, or just in general, your brain capacity will increase. Your memory gets better. Like A lot of things happen. So I got into jiu-jitsu to improve my <laughs> my professional <laughs> gaming. <laughs> and hey. then I, I quit gaming. Like I stopped playing at a high level because I was jiu-jitsu is – good for you physically Mm -hmm. um it's way more competitive because it's like your physical it's actually you like not you behind a computer you know what i mean (laughs) um and there's the whole flesh and blood community thing like you can't train jujitsu yourself at home yeah eating cheetos you know what i mean like you have to (laughs) you have to turn up you have to go you have to you have to actually have someone on top of you sweating you have to figure out how to be calm under pressure and how to solve problems on the fly um it's very very good it's very good it's not a typical martial arts because you know there's a lot of martial arts that you could sit at home with a punching bag and practice and sharpen jiu-jitsu really requires another human being and that's why it's um why i'd recommend it it's even just the endorphins you get by like when i say body contact i'm not trying to say this in like a sexual way or something stupid but you're physically like you bond with a lot of people you learn Mm. boundaries when you roll with girls you learn boundaries with guys you um like someone has to trust you to like literally (laughs) like be all over them physically and it teaches you some very good skills in life like under pressure is good but also just boundaries and respect and you need them as much as they need you the ego like people talk about the ego death in jiu-jitsu you can't have an ego in jiu-jitsu like everyone that does quits like if you cannot fathom that you are going to lose man we got a girl wendy she's a pro jiu-jitsu athlete she's under 50 kilos man i've never beat her once 
once, yeah. not even close. <laughs> like anyone else in the world is 50 kilos. Most men can ragdoll them. It doesn't matter. But like in the jujitsu rule set, there's no fucking way. There's no way. She's very good. And your ego can't hang around when a when this tiny Asian girl is just beating you up consistently. <laughs> like you're like, well, I guess I need to do this more often and get better, you know? <laughs> But uh, well, sorry, I've never even been close to beating her, and I'm five years in. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no, yeah. th- it, she's well, just better. <laughs> well, I mean, in a way, that's a correlation to. I mean, you know, this might be a stretch, but it's a correlation to flesh and blood. It's very skill intensive, and and the better player will beat you, regardless. Like most of yeah. the time, and um, yeah. Well, people make fun of me for constantly bringing jujitsu up on Funda, but it there is a lot of correlation. And <laughs> and if you want, like, genuinely, if you want your flesh and blood to get better, jumping into something like jujitsu actually will help a lot. It will help, like, you will not get nervous at a final table. Let me tell you, when you've been at a competition <laughs> with a hundred people watching you, and you're losing, and there's a guy that's twenty kilos heavier on top of you, trying to kill you. <laughs> And then you find a way to win. Flesh and blood's nothing. Yep. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Michael Hamilton's in front of you. You're like, buddy, in a real fight, I can kill you. Let's play some card games. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't care. <laughs> I'm kidding, yeah. Michael. <laughs> yeah, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> Never we, fight Michael. <laughs> Never. He's just such a sweet man. Um, Dude, I'm so happy he's the world champion. Like, I love a lot of flesh and blood players. I was rooting for many of them. Mm-hmm. But he's, he is... Humble and nice and friendly and unassuming (laughs) and zero ego. Like it could have been anyone and I would have been happy, but it's very good that that's our first and hopefully repeat. Very happy. That's the representative of the game. Oh yeah, absolutely. Though part of me would think it would be hilarious. He shows up to the next pro tour, sunglasses, huge. Yeah, yeah, he should. (laughs) We'll get him. Conor McGregor's like mink coat, you know, (laughs) just shirtless with a mink coat. Michael, let's go. (laughs) Uh, Next, we have a two questions from Capola, who asked when there or when will do you think there will be a pro tour slash worlds in Australia? And what are some tourist activities you recommend he should do or, or anyone should do if there were to be one? I don't think we'll ever get a pro tour of worlds in Australia. It doesn't make sense as much as I'd want to. It's, mm-hmm. it's a tiny player population. Like 99% of the players would have to fly in versus if you put it in Singapore, it's let's say 95%, but then it's also more accessible to a lot more places, right? So I think Australia wouldn't get a pro tour or a Worlds. I'd like to see callings once or twice a year. I think that should be doable. Mm-hmm. Um, but we like I think Asia-Pacific or Oceania's looked at as one thing. So I think you'll see Singapore. And I also think you're more likely to see like 10-year anniversary Worlds in New Zealand makes sense, yeah. especially if Flesh and Blood's a big enough company to start um, – like every every player that's invited gets like a five hundred dollar voucher to help with travel, that kind of thing. Like yeah. I think they can get to that point. I think Magic used to do it. I think Pokemon still does it. There's games that they're making enough money that they the million dollar prize pool for the year is also there's another million that's just to bring players in. Because then New Zealand makes a lot of sense. But why Australia when New Zealand's you know what I mean? Like why would yeah. you? Now New yeah. Zealand's smaller, but <laughs> yeah. but again you can have the whole you're there. All the LSS mm-hmm. people are there. That makes a better event. 
I mean, look, if we ever get one in Australia, I'd be very happy. But we need to grow our player base by like 10x before I think that would be on the <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. horizon. Well, I hope, I hope he gets there. But yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. It's I mean, New Zealand is probably more in the cards. But again, but... New Zealand, they'd have to have a pretty big reason to do it in yeah. New Zealand because it's so far away. It is. <laughs> like really is. for for 99.99% of the flesh and blood players, which I think like 80% are in the US, definitely over 60% of the players worldwide are in the US. Mm-hmm. You still have to think about that. Like it's it's way more likely to go US US Europe US US Europe like that kind of they're more likely <laughs> to do that because that's catering for the 99% of the player base than throwing worlds into Australia, which again, you'll see way less representation of high end players. They still have to cater to that, I think. What was the second question? Oh, well, I mean, it had to do with tourist activities. Well, if there's not going to be any in Australia, no, no, like again, come for a calling. Like the, the uprising world premiere in Sydney was bigger than Spain. We had mm-hmm. more players, right? Yeah. Like a lot of Asian players came, a lot of New Zealand players came. Like, if you're going to come to an event, come to, like, the Outsiders, if they do, a like, a calling pre-release thing, definitely come. Also, because it's not Worlds, you have more time to do touristy things. There's less yeah. pressure, Coppola. Like, if you come for Worlds, <laughs> like people did when they went to Cali, you're less likely to have, like, you're stressed, you know? You're there trying to win. <laughs> yeah. Um but I, honestly, I haven't done a lot of tourist stuff myself in Australia. But if you come to Sydney, there's the Harbour Bridge. There's the Opera House. You can actually climb the Harbour Bridge. It's probably one of the best experiences in Sydney. It's a little pricey, but you get to climb all the way to the top of the Harbour Bridge and take photos. That's like an experience you can do. Um, but yeah, Sydney, uh, Australia is a big place. Like A lot of the like Ayers Rock and Barrier Reef, they're all very far apart. So. Yeah. You can't like you can't do a lot in one day. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge country, and I don't, <laughs> I don't think like even even sometimes you know I watch a lot of cricket and like you know I know that like the big bash right you got teams all over and then there's like oh yeah there's like a six hour flight for for yes. this team to get to the other I'm like jeez <laughs> well it's the same landmass as um the USA yeah yeah but a fraction of the population like it's very empty in comparison so you can't like there's not that many major cities if you try and drive around like if you go Mm -hmm. on a 12 hour drive you'll pass one major city and a lot of little towns well in the u.s i think you drive 12 hours but you'll probably be able to stop at 10 like you can stop in a major city find a hotel like you can cut up the trip or actually do a lot of tourist stuff on the way in australia Mm -hmm. it's a little different it's very very spread out yeah, but um, well, I hope to get down there one day and well, hang out with you, John, and <laughs> we'll we'll hang out some some uh, events this year or this coming year. I hope and and oh uh, for sure, I, I do want to thank you for coming on, my friend. This was a this was a blast, and I appreciate you waking up a little early and and, and doing it. Um, uh, can you please plug anything you need to plug? And uh, yeah. Well, Funder, F-U-N-D-E-R, on YouTube. We're also on Spotify and all the other things except for Apple Podcasts. Um, We're at 620 subs, so hoping to reach 1,000 soon. I mean, we always get more views than subs, which is a nice sign. (laughs) 
but that also <laughs> means people aren't subscribed. Uh, and of course, Fluke and Box is my channel. If you want box breaks, uh, I have my own little shop, but go check out the channel and you can find all the links from there. That's pretty much it. I would shout out um, Fab Twitter. I think it's more people should be on there. I like that more than the Facebook groups. It's generally positive and interactive. So find me on Twitter. You find most of us on Twitter, the content creators. That is, if you don't have Twitter, it's a good reason to get it. Just follow like the Fab stuff and it becomes a very wholesome fab orient do you know what i mean like it's it's very good on its own i don't follow anybody but fab people on there which is what i'd recommend you do if you don't have twitter already that's about it yeah yeah um well you guys can all continue to find me on twitter as well it is a great spot i'm at fresh buds pod uh if you're listening on youtube like comment subscribe gotta get those subscribers up i'm gonna do a full leviah cosplay at 500 subscribers and i will regret it and um what else if you're if you're listening on any like spotify or anything like that leave it a rate like a a review all that stuff helps please go check out all of john's stuff funder fluke and box it's a it's all great content now john i know you gotta go but what's i always end the show talking a little bit about food what's something Mm -hmm. you're really enjoying eating right now your mom's now. <laughs> oh, whoa! <laughs> Came out of nowhere. Um, man, what am I enjoying eating right now? Okay, that's great. I went on a date last night and nice. um, went to a Japanese place. I don't usually like Japanese food because I don't like raw seafood, right? But mm-hmm. they had like the nice Wagyu steak, so I'm like, let's go here. She ordered beef tongue. Oh, interesting. And I tried it, and it wasn't terrible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice restaurant. Let me put it out there. Like ni- The nicer the restaurant, sometimes you're a bit more open to exotic stuff you try. Uh, tasted like a mixture of very nice steak and liver, like the texture of like mm. eating liver, which is not my not my thing. But I was I – was, I was, there you go. I was very <laughs> adventurous yesterday. <laughs> there you go. Well, I've been enjoying uh, eating beef tongues. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to log off after this and grab some beef tongue for dinner. Thank you all for hanging out with us. And, uh, you know, we got the holidays coming up and I hope everybody has a nice holiday and everybody have a great week.